0: You're listening to the Modern Dog Trainer.net podcast, bringing you the best industry tips and topics for professional dog trainers worldwide.
1: Hi there, you're listening to the Modern Dog Trainer podcast. I'm Ines McNeil, founder of the Modern Dog Trainer blog and podcast, and today I'm chatting with Kat Camplin, my co host, and Audrey Ann Lowe.
0: You can find the show notes for this podcast on the Modern slash podcast or subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. We also share a ton of information on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so be sure to follow us there, too.
1: Before we get started, I'd like to also add that we really appreciate iTunes reviews. Each additional review increases the likelihood of someone discovering this podcast. Now let's get started. Welcome, Audrey. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
2: Um. So I have uh, been involved with my personal dogs for for a long time. Um, Trained my first therapy dog when I was 14. Not gonna say how long ago that was, of course. Um, But it was was always on the sidelines. Um, Had a lot of other major interests that kind of demanded too much. Uh, You know, from concert pianist to uh, computational mathematical researcher um, and then I went into paramedic school wow. that ended up um, <laughs> after I graduated from that, I ended up going to uh, uh, join a search and rescue team. And that's actually where I sort of realized, hey, I want to get more involved with dogs.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> awesome. So were you actually a, a paramedic? That was your career before becoming a dog trainer?
2: Uh, so I worked as an EMT. Uh, and then went to went all the way through paramedic school. Part of that was spending 500 hours working as a paramedic under um, under existing paramedics, and that's that's when I realized, you know what? I don't think I want to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. I want to be in public safety, but not not as a career.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, maybe that's why they make you do the 500 hours. Oh, so it definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah no I actually used to want to be a veterinarian until I worked uh in yeah. a mechanic, So <laughs> for sure um what made you decide to you know become a dog trainer per se compared to all obviously you had uh, other interests as well so why dog training
2: right um so you know after I started volunteering in search and rescue um and I was like wow this is this is also something my dog could do. This is something that um, I, I've always had trouble finding enrichment activity for her because she's a wild-born primitive dog. Um, so tons of energy. And she's so picky about how she uh, expends that. Um, usually just goes through the roof of the garage or something. So, um, <laughs> you know, being able to run freely and use her nose was... Quite remarkable for her. Um, so I um, and, and there's a lo- I had a lot of goals I wanted to accomplish within canine search and rescue. So um, I felt that the CPDT might be a good way to go. Just as a volunteer, of course, you know, just to um, just to be able to help more um, with with growing modern dog training, um, science-based dog training within my field. And of course, CPDT requires 300 hours. So (laughs) what did I do? I went and got a part-time dog training job. Of course, anytime anyone asked me if I was a dog trainer, I would say no, but, um, and it really wasn't until a friend of mine um, asked me if I would be interested in her job, dog training job, that I thought about it becoming a career. And I, my immediate response to her, my initial response was, I would love your job. That's my dream job, but I'm not a dog trainer. <laughs> <laughs> and this was while I was teaching three classes a week oh, wow. um, oh, wow. at that facility. It didn't end up getting the job, but that's what made me actually realize that this is ludicrous. I, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm already doing. So that's how it That's how it happened. That's
0: awesome. that's awesome. It's really awesome.
1: So in our previous conversation, Jude mentioned that you left your job already. So can you tell us a little bit about how you prepared to leave your job to pursue dog training?
2: So, um, I, when I started working a part-time, um, dog training job, um, I was, I just went from full-time to part-time EMS. Okay. Um, and that was easy. That was a smooth transition. Now, when I decided to strike out strike out on my own and start my own dog training business that I did not prepare to leave that job. I didn't prepare to leave at all. Um, It just, it kind of happened. Um, Actually, I wasn't, I wasn't planning on starting my business, but I left my job suddenly. Um, And so instead of, That's when I decided, you know what, I know I want to start my own business in a year. Um, I have a couple of people who've been lining up as clients. And I don't want to go through the whole job search thing right now. So, so yes, not very prepared. So, how did you
0: know what steps you needed to take to start your dog training business? I didn't. didn't. (laughs) Okay, so. I
2: literally Googled. How to uh, what was it North Carolina? Um, how to start a small business? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the third link was um, the state's official guide on how to start a business in North Carolina.
0: Wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> so you looked at just general small business resources. Did you look at any specific dog training resources of how to start a business, or did you just sort of go with the flow with the all catch-all sort of small business thing?
2: Oh, I just rode the surf with that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, I was already planning I um, you know, I, I had plans to take my CPDT, which I just took. Um, so I haven't heard the results on that, but uh so that was already um something I planned as just as a volunteer thing. Um
1: right.
2: But yeah, further than that, I hadn't looked at all into um how to start a business, yet let alone how to start a dog training business. Okay, <laughs> I don't
0: know so, how to do that.
2: So yeah, it really
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so how are you marketing yourself or differentiating yourself from uh, other businesses in your area?
2: Well, initially, um, I went with word of mouth, of course, um, but also uh, Thumbtack. Uh, of course, I. Fell prey to the Facebook ads, you know, boost posts and things like that um, until a friend of mine who has an MBA told me to stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was it's, there was that. Um, but yeah, that and then I, I got a couple of good custom, good clients from Thumbtack um, okay. and then realized I was still in the midst of setting up a whole lot of infrastructure so I took down my thumbtack and I'm taking word of mouth referrals and that's it for now until we have our, you know, physical facility launch. And, um, so we're coming up with a marketing plan for that right now.
1: Oh, wow. So you're actually going to um, get a facility then in your area.
2: Well, um, I was already in the process of looking for, a, a home to purchase. Okay. Um, we're actually not adding any cost to, um, you know, our existing lives. <laughs> yeah.
1: Awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about what your dream kind of dog training business
2: looks like. Um, we initially um, thought of it as a computer-assisted dog training Uh, company, not so much working with actual dogs, but developing tools for dog trainers. Because remember, I hadn't planned on becoming a dog trainer. (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to take my computational mathematical background and um, Steve's computer science PhD, and we were just going to work on creating um, tools that could help help people train train smarter um wow that's actually still where we want to go um but i i think i've realized i think we've both realized that um our home is the best place to test this with client dogs Mm -hmm. and physically working with client dogs is going to still be a part
1: yeah absolutely that makes so much sense
2: um, so, obviously,
1: you're looking to create kind of, like, essentially
0: digital tools to
1: help dog training, uh, the yep. dog training process. Um, what else are you looking to achieve as, like, a, maybe more of, like, a dog trainer?
2: Well, so, I want to progress with, um, you know, my own, my own training. Um, right now, I'm involved in search and rescue, and I absolutely want to continue with that. Um, also, wanna dabble in some sports and just kind of build up my resume as a dog trainer, um, to be able to work with, with or connect—not even necessarily work with different kinds of people and their dogs, but to be able to connect better with a wider, a wider variety of people. Um, for instance, just just because I um, went through paramedic school and am a search and rescue volunteer, a lot of people who wouldn't consider who wouldn't normally consider a modern um, dog trainer um, are are working with me.
1: Oh, interesting,
2: interesting. Um, Because they usually, you know, tend towards a more traditional approach.
1: For sure. And you think EMT, uh, like, contributes to that? Like, you're able to connect on another
2: level rather than just we have dogs? (laughs) Uh, Well, yes. Um, Not for any practical reason, but clients, potential clients, um, who are first responders, um, or who want dogs, you know, who want their dogs trained by someone who works with search and rescue dogs, something like that, um, they would approach and talk about my methods and want to learn more when I feel like they probably wouldn't be open to talking about it or thinking, thinking outside of their tr- more traditional box otherwise. Yeah,
0: that's good. So, what has been the most confusing or frustrating part of starting your business?
2: <laughs>
0: well, um, the logistics, actually,
2: of, of starting it, just the whole, you know, filing of paperwork. Oh, well, not so much the filing of paperwork, the figuring out if which paperwork to file or to look for. <laughs> um, that sort of thing was was rather difficult. However, the absolute most confusing and frustrating part um, is really the fact that I didn't plan in advance. So I actually have had a, uh, I had a knee injury, um, a total rupture of a ligament just a couple months in. Um, So, of course, I hadn't saved up anything uh, to be able to take that amount of time off because, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't just go to my employer and ask for <laughs> or to use vacation days or to make up the work later I am my employer that was uh, that was interesting um, you know other than that I think I've been lucky in terms of how well flying off the seat of my pants has worked um, but even in the best case scenario things things can just get derailed and that's why that advanced planning. That I didn't do should have, would have been very important. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything that you are currently
1: still working on or struggling with?
2: Um. Yeah. Saying no. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, that one's hard.
2: It is. the The issue is I have a limited client capacity. Um, because I'm, you know, I could, I could handle more clients. But I'd be um, shoving, setting up infrastructure off to the wayside. Right. I still have work to do on my website. I, I have a lot of work that doesn't involve training with clients and their dog. <laughs> so I need to carve out time for that. And I do, but then someone says, but my, my dog is, you know, seven months old or what? actually nine months old, oh, wow. nine months old and... We're worried that she's going to start biting people soon. And, you know, this is time sensitive. Yeah. And of course, I don't say no. So the deadlines I try to meet on setting up my business, um, because that's still in process, um, that falls by the wayside. And I get off schedule with that, which is something I'm struggling with. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: I think I'm. Um... That's something that all dog trainers kind of struggle with is we get contacted all the time, you know, with, like you said, time sensitive behavior issues or, you know, puppy issues. And we know that that can be time sensitive too.
0: Right. right.
2: Yeah. I to no.
0: <laughs> it's really hard to say no. Um, so what kind of dog training challenges have you come across with your clients so far? What kind of cases are, are you seeing?
2: Unfortunately, I see a lot of behavior Um behavior issues. Mm-hmm. you know. I, I don't work directly with um, behavior issues. I mean, I don't do behavior modification and I'm very clear about that. However, um, many of these dogs are still in need of dog training, learning how to perform behaviors, um, but of course their behavior issues come into play. Um, and that can be okay, but oftentimes owner expectations Don't align with what the dog can, or should, and shouldn't attempt. Uh, So, for instance, you know, people with reactive sheepdogs wanting to become a pet therapy team, um, (laughs) trying to, uh, you know, explain that training, even training with behavior modification done by someone else who's qualified to do so. that doesn't change a dog's character or nature or what the dog wants to do. Right. Um, my personal, my personal dog, uh, when she did her CGC, the, the closest one um, available was actually a TDI CGC test and she passed it. There is no way she would make a good therapy dog. <laughs> she would yeah. Not enjoy that. And a lot of people just don't understand that. Um, I would say the majority of my clients, I I have some sort of issue like that with them. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, setting
1: expectations is very important at the beginning. Um, what you can and can't do, and and also yeah. educating people on you know what their dogs want to do. A lot of people don't even think about that part.
0: Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, yeah. yeah. So, what kind of dog cases would you really like to take? What what what's your sort of dream clientele? <laughs>
2: Um, I really prefer just working training, not behavior. Um, I enjoy teaching normal dogs how to do cool things. (laughs) (laughs) Not teaching, you know, trying to change a dog's emotions to become more normal. Um, Of course, that's extremely important. I just, I don't enjoy doing that as much. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So, for instance, search and rescue is we're teaching dogs how to perform complex behaviors, or right. you know, training dogs to do, perform tricks and things like that. That makes sense. Yeah, they
1: already have a, a solid foundation of just you know good behavior to begin with, um, you know, so that they can perform those tasks. <laughs> yeah. yep. well, thank you for joining us today. Do you have any last words for the audience?
2: <laughs> any words of wisdom as you were starting up, maybe? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for, and thank
1: you for listening to this podcast. Hey there, Ines here. I just wanted to hop back on and remind you that you can find all of our podcasts on our website, along with tons of blog posts about starting your own dog training business, free downloads you can use to run your business and a few products and courses you might find useful for your business. Whether you're just thinking about starting or you've jumped in with both feet and now realize how much there is to running a dog training business, we have resources you can use at themoderndogtrainer.net. Ross Malcolm Boyd edits the program, but he does a lot more than that. Visit rossmalcolmboyd.com for rainbow unicorns, online music lessons, and more.
0: Thank you for listening to the Modern Dog Trainer podcast. Don't forget, you can check out the show notes at themoderndogtrainer.net slash podcast. You can also share your thoughts and support our podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. Until next time.